Conair is spreading love and celebrating women, not just on International Women's Day, but every day with Conair Girl Bomb. Girl Bomb is their new line of powerful hair removal tools made just for us. Yeah. Whether it's the silky smooth skin or the empowering confidence boost you get, Conair Girl Bomb is here to amp up those positive vibes with some self care. So, to all the beautiful women out there, keep shining, keep being you, and treat yourself to some Conair Girl Bomb magic. You deserve it. Available at Walgreens. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbionica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbionica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O. TIKA.com. I'm Danny Shapiro, and this is the way we live now. Today is day 57, since our hands have aged 10 years from keeping them clean all the time, and day 17 of this podcast. It's been interesting to see what items have been deemed essential and non essential during the pandemic. Some of these would be obvious, of course. Markets, medical supplies, delivery services. Essential. Liquor stores. Apparently essential. However, books are apparently non-essential, even though people are reading more than ever. I wanted to check in with an independent bookseller who's working hard, as all independent booksellers are across the world, to stay afloat. My guest today owns the wonderful print bookstore in Portland, Maine, Emily Russo. Emily, thank you so much for joining me to talk about the way we live now. I'm thrilled to do it, Danny. Tell me where you are right now. Um, paint us a picture. Where are you sitting? What are you looking at? So right now I'm actually um, in the office where it is where it is nice and quiet. And I am looking at a giant stack of, of statements from, from publishers that I have not had yet a chance to enter into, into QuickBooks because I spend um, 8.30 a.m. to 5 p.m. shipping out books. Um, so it's nice and quiet back here in the office and, you know, sanitizer everywhere, packing tape. Um, the entire office is just in complete and utter disarray. And then outside on, on the floor, it's just stacks and stacks and stacks of books ready to be shipped out first thing tomorrow morning. Mm, I can picture that office. I've been in that office. <laughs> yes, yes, you have been in this office. It's sort of like the green room before you go off and yes. when you're an author there yeah. doing a reading. Describe what the store looked like a couple of months ago before all of this began. Just what, what the shop is like. It's, it's one of my favorite um, independent bookstores in the country. And I just want listeners to have a sense of what it looks like. 
Yeah, so we have, if you're able to visualize it, about 1,800 square feet and lots of, of nooks and, and whatnot to, to wander through. Um, it's, not a, it's not a huge space, um, but great alcoves for, for different sections of the store and, you know, a huge children's selection. And, and we're a pretty, we're a store that um, likes nice, clean lines, so things are not particularly cluttered, um, nice, even stacks of things, um, and just very nice and, and easily shoppable, um, and sections really stand out to the eye. Great, um, great signage that's black and white that is incredibly eye-catching. And now everything is pushed to the side. Our beautiful wooden table that is usually covered with new releases is being used to prep all of the books that are that are being shipped out um, on a on a day to day basis. Um, most of our fixtures are on wheels, so we're able to move them aside for for events. So what is usually a a beautiful kind of winding. Um, how do I want to say this? You know, you can wind through the through the sections as you're walking. So you can go from fiction into the staff picks and then into cookbooks. It's kind of this beautiful winding maze that leads you to, to a new section. Um, and when we have events, we're able to push all of that to a side to create a nice, beautiful, wide open space. And now everything is just it's like a, just a hacked through maze and everything's just pushed to the side, creating as, as much room as possible to socially distance as we get books out the door. Mm hmm. So it's occurring to me as I'm listening to you, you know, you're the daughter of a writer, the sister of a writer, uh, you're from a book family. What made you want to open an independent bookstore in Portland, Maine to start with? I ended up graduating from Dickinson College in 2002, actually as a graduate, um, getting a, a degree in sociology. Um, really thought I was going to go on to, to graduate school and either become a professor or move into social work. And I got about halfway through my senior year and thought to myself, I need a break. I can't, I can't do academia anymore. I, I love sociology. I love thinking about, um, about humans and society and, and how, those, um, how those structures work um, for, for better or worse. Um, but I just I couldn't see myself going on to graduate school at least right away. So I talking with my family and my dad said, you know, why don't you get into publishing? And I, I just kind of looked at him and said, I don't really want to, I don't want to do that. And then I thought about it some more and I ended up interviewing um, with my dad's publicist, Gabrielle Brooks. And she just talked to me a little bit about what she did every day. And I thought, well, you know what? That actually sounds really interesting. Um, so I got my first job um, or sets of a series of jobs um, as, a, as a literary agent and then I just quickly discovered that it wasn't for me. Um, I loved the work that I was doing, but I, I really didn't like to say no to people all day, every day. It was really disheartening. And I know there are some agents out there, most agents out there, they love the thrill of the hunt and then they, and they want to find that, that next great book. Um, for me, it, I just, I wanted to be saying yes more every day and I, I wanted to, to match readers with books, um, regardless of whether or not it was something I was particularly interested in. Um, so I just, I, I kept coming back to the idea of being in a bookstore. And my parents, when we were little, one of our favorite days of the year was when we went to, to Martha's Vineyard. And the first rainy day of our vacation, we would off we would go to, to Bunch of Grapes in um, Vineyard Haven on Martha's Vineyard. And my parents gave us essentially carte blanche. We were able to, to get Within reason, just about anything that we wanted. 
And we would just come home with stacks and stacks of books. And at the time we were living in Carbondale, Illinois, and we had a, um, I think we had a Walden books or something in the mall, but not a truly great independent bookstore like Bunch of Grapes. And I just, I fell in love with that place. And as I was becoming um, more and more frustrated in my career as a literary agent, I kept coming back to the idea of working in a bookstore. And when my husband and I got engaged, um, I was moving up to Western Massachusetts to be closer to him and ended up interviewing at, a, at one of the great independent bookstores, the Odyssey Bookshop in South Hadley, Massachusetts. And Joan there took me under her wing. She hired me as their events coordinator. Um, and I would say within three months, I knew that that's what I wanted to do with my life. Not only did I want to be in a bookstore, I wanted to own a bookstore and I wanted to do what Joan was doing, which was selecting the books to stock the store. I wanted to be the buyer. That's, mm. that's what I wanted to do with my mm-hmm. life. Saying yes instead of saying no, right? And say, yeah, and saying saying yes all day and, instead of saying no mm-hmm. and really trying to to do my best to match that perfect book with that perfect mm-hmm. reader, regardless of what I, what I think about it. Mm-hmm. What is life like now? And you described a little bit about what print looks like inside now and mm-hmm. all of those orders and fulfilling orders. And these are from customers who are calling in and emailing in orders for books, I'm assuming. What's that like for you now when, you know, you're not face-to-face with your people wandering into the bookstore? And then also, what is it like now in the independent bookstore community? So, you know, on a, on a typical day in, in the store, you know, we, we're we full of customers. And it's that's been the hardest part of, of the transition um, is not being able to see the store active, uh, not being able to have those organic conversations with customers that lead to great recommendations. Um, so that, that transition has been the hardest. You know, you can have those conversations a little bit over the phone. So we're not, often not able to answer the phone fast enough, um, which can sometimes be discouraging. Um, but we're still finding ways to, to recommend books to customers. Our, we have a very small staff, but our events coordinator and our children's manager, Steph, and our events coordinator, Gracie, along with a part-timer named Becca, have really just done an, an absolute amazing job of transferring all of our events to virtual Zoom events. Um, Steph is doing a daily story time and has done an excellent job of working with the Portland schools to get books into the hands of kids who really need them. As we all know, schools are are closed for the remainder of the year, and a lot of those kids, especially in Portland proper, don't have access to books aside from the school and aside from the public library. So finding ways to get books into kids' hands. Um, so we're, we're finding new ways to, to connect with our readers um, on a virtual level, but not, not being able to see our favorite customers in the store is, is an added challenge. I'm more and more being asked to participate in Zoom events as the conversation partner of someone with a debut memoir or a debut novel. I just, before I called you, sent a video off to the great bookstore RJ Julia because it's um, oh, yeah. it's going to be their 30th anniversary and they were asking authors to send in videos, just wishing them a happy anniversary, and just different ways that we have of connecting with each other in the best ways that we can. How are you finding those virtual events go, both in terms of the audience and for the writer? Do you have a sense of that? Yeah, we have had uh, nothing but success with the, with the few that we've done so far. 
The first one that we participated in was actually um, Jessica Anthony's Enter the Art Park. Um, she was one of the first events in late March that unfortunately we had to postpone due to the pandemic. And a wonderful, wonderful um, organization in Maine called the Maine Writers and Publishers Alliance immediately contacted Jessica and said, um, let's move this to a virtual event. We've, we've heard of this thing called Zoom. Um, let's move it online and see what happens. And so they, they really kind of took that platform and ran with it. And my dad interviewed Jessica um, virtually, and we probably had a little under 100 people in attendance. Mm. And since then, uh, we've had events with uh, Julia Spencer Fleming, which had over 100, uh, 100 folks in, in attendance virtually. Um, and then our biggest success to date is uh, Fooptron, whose memoir Saigon uh, came out last week. Uh, we did a virtual event with them, again, hosted by the Main Writers Publishers Alliance and another wonderful organization in Portland called Space Gallery. And we had over 500 people mm. in attendance for, for that event lots of fun multimedia stuff that they were able that they were able to do um, slideshows and who was able to show photographs and, and whatnot and it was just an enormous amount of fun and while I don't think it's, it replaces that joy of meeting an author face to face this is definitely something we're going to to keep in mind for for future events where an author visit may not be possible this is this is something to stick in our back pocket and mm. and make sure we utilize well when the pandemic is over because it's it's opened up a lot of really great opportunities for us in terms of you know people are able to tune in from from all of the country in a way that they weren't able to when mm. um, when they weren't able to come to the store so this just is an is an added benefit yeah, I love hearing that. I mean, 500 people, it should just be said. I mean, I know you said what the square footage of your store is, but that would be utterly and completely impossible. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, we can fit 100 people comfortably in here. Um, and that, well, that, I'm, not, I'm stretching that. Maybe, maybe 100 is a little right. uncomfortable, but we can fit 100, 100 people in the store um, and beyond that. It's, um, mm. it's way over our capacity. And we've had at least 100 people attend every virtual event that we've had so far. So That's wonderful. Um, we've seen nothing but success from it. What are people reading? And have you noticed anything about their reading habits changing at all in these last couple of months? Well, for us, it certainly seems like people are reading a lot more. For us, we've, we've got an eclectic bunch of readers, which I really, really love. There are things that people are selecting that we don't necessarily have on our on our shelves, but are able to, to order for, for the customer, um, which is great to see a lot of small press titles um, that we don't necessarily always have room to bring in, you know, the entire small press distribution line. Um, they do such, such great work, but, you know, we have to, because of our size, we have to cherry pick what we bring in. And so it's, it's great to see what our customers are, are finding on our website that we're able to bring in and that we might then carry um, when we when we reopen. So we're you know we're selling stacks and stacks and stacks of the of the best sellers, but we've had a lot of fun um, watching the web orders come in and seeing what seeing what people are are picking out. Definitely some small academic press titles that um, that have been interesting. People you know diving into epidemiology and, and figuring out more you know why this is happening, the um, the way it's happening. A lot of people reading about authoritarianism and, and delving into what's going on. Right. I wondered about that. I mean, I think Camus' The Plague has um, quite an uptick in sales. I'm sure. Yep. Let me ask you in closing. What's bringing you hope these days? I mean, you know, it's no secret that 
in the literary world, in the independent bookseller community, in publishing, as in every other business, uh, or most other businesses, there's a lot of worry and speculation about what the world is going to look like when we come out the other side of this. What do you think about that? I love what you said about about Zoom and how it can be continued to be used in really positive ways when we're done with the pandemic. But what's bringing you hope and what do you think? You know, we obviously, like all independent booksellers, had an absolute moment of panic when we knew we were going to have to shut our doors, just not knowing what was going to happen. And I would say within 48 hours of us um, closing our doors to the public and, and really only doing shipping, we were getting so many orders um, to the point where we almost couldn't keep up. And seeing the messages from our customers saying, you will make it through this, we can't wait to see you again, all of the messages of love, the community really came together for not just print, but our, our fellow bookstore, uh, Longfellow Books in Portland, just really everybody came out of the woodwork to protect us. We had a, a moment, um, another moment of panic, uh, actually a couple of weeks ago, where the city, in their guidelines, they were under the impression that no business that was considered non-essential could even ship out product. Mm. And the wording in, in the in the ordinance was, was unclear. And I think it said something like, you know, the owners can come in to process payroll, receive shipments, and process mail, which everybody took that rather broadly. It's like, okay, it's so process mail. We can ship things out. And then they release an FAQ sheet that clamped down and said, no, 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 if you're not essential, you're, you're not supposed to ship things out at all. And downtown Portland is primarily by locals. The entire by local community, all of the local businesses just came down on, on city council pretty hard and said, what do you mean we can't even ship out stuff? You're shutting down Portland. If we're not allowed to ship stuff out, nobody's going to be in business in, in two months. That's it. We're done you know, you've got to think about this and it's got to change. The blowback was significant and it was fast. In mm. fact, it, I think it took no more than three hours for them mm. to retract and say, you know what? All right, you've got the weekend while we figure this out. And we had customers calling us and saying, I've already called my city council. This is ridiculous. There's just this, this level of love and protection for not just bookstores in, in Portland, but for local independent stores in Portland that were, were just fiercely protected by our community. And they just, they don't want anything bad to happen to us. And that that's what gives me hope. That is so good to hear, Emily. I mean, yeah. as you're speaking, I'm picturing Portland, um, which is a city that I love. And it is just full of these small shops and boutiques and bookstores and restaurants that are unique and idiosyncratic yeah. and individual and so many of us are so conscious of the character and the community that that brings to all of us. So I love hearing that and, you know, go Portland. <laughs> Emily, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today about all of this. It's really a message of a lot of hope that I think people will feel quite buoyed oh, by. It was my so. pleasure. It's good to hear your voice. You too. Take care. Thanks for listening to The Way We Live Now. Tell us the way you're living now. We want to hear. Call us on, you might want to get a pen for this, 909-713-8995. That's 909-713-8995. And record your story, and we might just use it on the pod. Also, you can join our Facebook group 
at facebook.com slash groups slash the way we live now pod. We are creating a community here and we would love for you to join us. You can find me on Instagram at Danny Ryder. The Way We Live Now is a production of iHeartRadio. It's produced by Lowell Berlanti. Beth Ann Macaluso is executive producer. Special thanks to Tristan McNeil and Tyler Klang. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Infinity Presents, a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable.